Um, we are in a series where we're talking about gospel-centered relationships, we're talking about the ways in which God shapes us uh, in order to be able to, to be the kind of community that really cares for one another in deep and profound ways. Uh, and so uh, I want to invite you as we step into this next sermon, we're talking about forgiveness. I want to invite you to join me as we pray uh, that this would not just be a lecture that you listen to, but that the spirit would move in your heart in some way, shape or form to help you to, to both understand and appreciate in a deeper way, the degree to which you and I have been forgiven by Jesus uh, and then the implications of that for the way that we live our life. So let's pray. Father, we, uh, we come to you this morning, uh, first of all, just heavy-hearted to hear about the needs of the forests, but, but also recognize that there are so many other things happening in the world, uh, and we throw our hands up in the air and just feel powerless and helpless for the reality of those things. And then, and Lord, we, we recognize that that's, that's even, well, that's true globally, that's true of people in this room. Some of us have lost, has, have lost uh, parents, I uh, have parents who are sick and very ill, who've got loved ones who are sick and ill. Uh, and, and those things uh, just are very present uh, in our lives. And so, Lord, we ask that you would be with us and, and help us as we, as we move into the sermon now to spend time thinking about this passage. Uh, help us to, to think deeply about uh, the forgiveness that you have given to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, so as we're continuing this series, we, we've talked about loving one another. And really, the more I've been thinking about it, and you, you, you see it today, even, and I encourage you, if you haven't already, open up your Bible. Uh, a little segue here. Open up your Bible and join us as we spend time uh, looking at this passage. Uh, if you'll notice at the very end, it, it, Paul begins to bring in the idea of love into the passage. He begins to, to connect. And, and as I've been thinking about it over the last week, uh, it really does seem to me so far that love is, the, is this foundational one another concept out of which all of the other one another uh, commands of scripture seem to flow. So we love one another and then uh, because we love one another, we bear one another's burdens. Because we love one another, we forgive one another. The interesting thing about forgiveness is that there are really differences of opinion about whether forgiveness is something that's important uh, or why we should even think about forgiveness. So, so there are some in our culture that would say forgiveness is, they're suspicious of forgiveness, and they would say forgiveness is actually not something that we should really prize or value uh, because if somebody does something wrong, if they've offended you in some way, they have to account for that wrong. Uh, and, and so it seems like forgiveness is letting somebody off the hook for the wrongs that they have committed. And probably the most, uh, one of the more extreme ways that that gets played out in our society today is through cancel culture, right? Somebody does something wrong and then they get canceled. They basically get cut off from society. Uh, and, and there's no really uh, opportunity for forgiveness to be granted towards that person. On the other end of the spectrum, perhaps we could say that there's a therapeutic understanding of forgiveness. And so here with this therapeutic understanding of forgiveness, the idea of forgiveness is that we forgive because it's good for us. Uh, we forgive because it heals us, because it frees us, because uh, it provides us uh, some kind of 
good. It sets us free. And here's the reality that both the, the suspicious view of forgiveness and the therapeutic view of forgiveness, they both make valid points. Uh, but I believe that the Christian, the gospel-centered understanding of forgiveness addresses both uh, issues in a really robust way. Uh, and so to the suspicious side, what we're going to see is that in part, um, forgiveness does not mean that there is no justice. Uh, forgiveness does not mean that wrongs are not accounted for. We believe in a God that says that he will not let the guilty go unpunished. Uh, and so that God that we believe in, that just God, the, the king of justice, uh, the just judge will make sure that all wrongs are accounted for. Now, those wrongs might be accounted in the death of Jesus on the cross, but all wrongs will be accounted for. At the same time, for, the, for those that are saying, oh, forgiveness is just this, it's more for yourself. Uh, what this passage teaches us is that forgiveness is for one another. That there's something about the nature of forgiveness that the person who, it, uh, yes, absolutely, the person who needs to do the forgiving benefits from the act of forgiveness. But the person who is the offender, the person who needs forgiveness extended to him or her, that person also benefits from the act of forgiveness, which is why forgiveness is something that we do for one another. Uh, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at uh, this passage and see, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. There's that word, right? Right there in the center of this. As people who have been loved, clothe yourselves. It's going to be the predominant theme we're going to look at. This idea of taking off and putting on. Clothe yourselves with compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Um, and if anyone has a grievance against someone, here's the key phrase I want you to latch on to. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, and really that's the entry point to the two points that I want to make. So the first point is who we are, uh, who we are in Christ. Uh, and the second point is that we are, so that's that we're forgiven. And the second point then is what that means. Uh, and it means that we are to forgive others. Uh, Desmond Tutu, and the reason that this is important, Desmond Tutu, who was a uh, bishop in Africa that helped lead the nation of South Africa out of apartheid and helped really to restore that nation in significant ways. Uh, he wrote this. He said, forgiveness is nothing less than the way that we heal the world. This is why God's people need to care about forgiveness because that's the profound effect that forgiveness can, forgiveness can have in our world, right? And we see the, we see the opposite of that now, don't we? Uh, this lack of forgiveness in our culture is, is tearing us apart uh, in many respects. And so God's people need to be a people that understand their identity as those who have been forgiven. And out of that identity, who, who, uh, who share uh, forgiveness with each other and with the world. All right, so let's jump in. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Uh, Paul here, in order to kind of get the full weight of that, we're going to go back to the beginning of the passage, verses one to four. Uh, and I encourage you to, to look at that. And what you see there is that Paul is teasing out for you and for me. He's teasing out for us the implications of who we are in Jesus. And what's really interesting about this is that he is saying that there's something that has already happened to you and I through faith in Christ. And he says that there's something that is happening to you and I. There's something that's true of us in the past and there's something that's becoming true of us in the present. And that's the thing we have to grasp onto. That's the thing that we need to hold on. Uh, 
on a regular basis as a part of our worship service, we use the Apostles' Creed. Uh, so is that a test? All right, we'll see how many of you, we're not putting it up, there's no slide. Uh, how many of you can say together with me the words of the section about Jesus Christ? If you don't know them, that's okay, but listen to these words. Say it with me if you can. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. We'll stop there. Good job, everybody. Those words right there in the middle of that, he died, he was buried, he rose again. We, we hold those ideas as being at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. At the very heart of Christian teaching are these ideas that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And what Paul is saying in this passage, this is amazing, what Paul is saying in this passage is that that's true of you and I as well. Jesus died, and because of the union that we have with Jesus, we died with him on the cross. Jesus was buried, and because of the union that we have with Jesus, we were buried as well. We were buried with him. Jesus rose from the dead. And because of the union that we have with Jesus, you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have been raised from the dead. Amen? All right. So this is like absolutely fundamental. This is category shifting. Like this is like mind-blowing stuff. And we have to understand that that is what happens when we accept the forgiveness that Jesus extends to us. That's what happens to you. Something cosmic, something supernatural happens to us the moment that we put faith in Jesus Christ. Right? For, you know, here on this side where it's like, okay, maybe you feel something in your heart. But in heaven, something monumental has occurred. And then Paul goes on to say, so therefore, as he says, for you died, right? That's what we're talking about. And then he says this, your life now is hidden with Christ and God. Now, this is the, I think this is the only time Paul says anything like this about us being hidden in, in Christ or hidden in God. Uh, and so, as you can imagine, whenever Paul says something one time, everybody's like, what the heck does this mean? All right, so there's all kinds of ideas. One thing that several people seem to, to, to agree is involved and something that as I was thinking about, I was like, oh, this is amazing, is the idea of hiding for protection. So think about this, right? Kids, you're watching a scary movie. You're watching a movie and all of a sudden there's a really scary scene, right? Uh, so maybe you're watching uh, uh, Lord of the Rings and Gollum shows up and you're like, oh, I'm scared. What do you do if you're watching with your parents, right? You like shove your face into your, into your mom or dad's shoulder, right? You're hiding behind them. Why? Because they're going to protect you, right? You know what I'm talking about? Adults, we hide also. Unfortunately, sometimes we hide behind things that aren't so cute, right? We hide behind lies, right? We tell a lie. Why? Because the truth is difficult or painful. 
Uh, and so we hide behind a lie. We hide behind rules or, 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 um, or stipulations, right? Maybe there's something at work that's difficult that you don't want to deal with. And so you find, well, I can't help you because there's this rule that doesn't let me help you, right? We, we hide as well because we want to protect ourselves. And so part of what I believe is happening here is that Jesus or, or, or Paul is telling us that because of this thing that has happened to you in the past, because of this, this reality that you have now changed, this cosmic thing has happened, you have protection now. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. So that's what's true of you in the past. And then, as if that's not good enough, and then Paul says that you're also being renewed. There's this thing that's happening to you in the present. So forgiveness is that this cosmic thing happens to us, but forgiveness is also that this this, um, uh, sanctifying, life-altering, changing process is happening in yours and my life. That's what it means to be forgiven, right? That Jesus is renewing you in the image of, uh, or um, the Father, God, is renewing you in the image of, of Jesus. All right. So that's who you are. This cosmic thing has happened. Your identity has been changed. You are in Jesus Christ. You have this union with him. These things become true of you in the past. These things are unfolding in your life in the present. Pretty amazing, right? And, and, and for the purpose of our passage, the entry point in all of this is forgiveness in Jesus Christ, right? It's a forgiveness that you have given. So forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. That phrase, as the Lord has forgiven you, then just gets unpacked in all these ways. That's who you are. You got to hold on to that because then we move into the next part, right? What does that mean? It means that we are called uh, to forgive. And so what happens in this second part of this passage that Paul gives us this contrast. You familiar with the phrase, Off with the old, on with the new. Good, all right, you're tracking with me. Off with the old, on with the new. And really, Paul is playing off of that image here in this passage. And so you'll see in verses 7, 8, and 9, this language that Paul uses that's very much take off, get rid, you used to, right? There are these things that, if you think of it like a a, a set of clothing, there's a set of clothing, right? There's There's this jacket, that you are being told to take off uh, in order to be able to put something else on. And so he gives you two lists in this particular passage. The first list that he gives us is a list that has, um, or, or if you take both lists together, rather, um, what you have is this, is this pretty comprehensive view of all of the different ways that community is broken. Uh, community is broken through things that we do with our body. Community is broken through our desires community is broken through the way that we speak. Uh, and, and we could totally go deeply into all of these things, but I really want to get us to the point where we're looking more at forgiveness. And so we're just going to kind of gloss over that quickly. But interestingly, uh, you know, we said that there are, um, that this word is the kind of the key word we're looking for in Greek that we, that's translated as one another. And it shows up in this, in this first section where it says, do not lie to one another. So there are one another kind of commands are both affirmative saying, these are things you should do. And also negative. These are things you shouldn't do. All right. Lying one another, not good for community. Amen. You know, if you lie to your spouse, not so good, right? You lie to your kids, not so good. You lie to your boss, not so good. Those kinds of things, those practices 
break community. They, they break. What kind of practices build community? Well, Paul gives us several. And then, and, and then he like, um, and as he does that, as he makes that transition, he begins to then tell us, these are the things that you put on. These are the things that you add to yourself, right? You have put on the new self, clothe yourself. And then he lists compassion and all these other things. Uh, put on love. Off with the old, on with the new. And then he summarizes in the same way that do not lie to one another is the summary of the things you take off. Bear with one another and forgive one another is the summary of what you put on. When you put on Jesus, when you are clothed with Christ, when you've been buried with him in baptism, right? When, when these things become true of you, When you begin to experience what it means to love one another, forgiveness becomes a part of the way that we live our life. All of this is what makes us capable of forgiving. And perhaps we, what, uh, what, what what, uh, you should notice, right? Is that it isn't just forgive one another. It's bear with one another and forgive one another. That word bear one another could also be translated, put up with one another right? Why do I need to put up with other people? Because we're all still being redeemed, right? The process of us being molded into the image of Jesus is ongoing. Yes, it's true that the the penalty is gone. Yes, it's true that we've been raised with Jesus. Yes, it's true that we've been buried with Jesus. These things are true. Yes, this cosmic thing has happened and our identity has changed. But the reality, we all know, right? That the reason that Paul says, uh, you know, don't have evil desires, don't talk crudely, avoid lust and sexual morality is because these are things that are sins that we struggle with. And so we are commanded to forgive because we live in community where sin is still being processed, where we're still being sanctified, where we're still being molded into the image of Jesus. We live in community where we have to put up with one another and forgive one another. So then how do we move into the process of forgiveness? Uh, The reality is that forgiveness, when when we have been hurt and especially when we have been hurt in deep and significant ways. And that's part of the challenge of preaching on forgiveness is that we're taking a concept, we're talking about something from scripture. And for some of us, forgiveness is, uh, you know, somebody didn't speak nicely to me. Uh, And for others of us, forgiveness, we're talking about deeply traumatic things. Uh, And so we're going to speak in kind of broad brushstrokes and then the recognition that the, the application in more specific ways can't happen in a, in, a, in, a, in a sermon, right? That happens in one-on-one conversation. And so if, if you need that one-on-one conversation, please uh, let me know. I'd be happy to sit down and tease out with you. Like, what does this look like in your life? Uh, so I was reading this uh, article in The Atlantic from a couple years ago, and they told the story of, uh, in India of how they trap monkeys that have become a nuisance. Uh, and so what they do is they take, um, they take a coconut or some other kind of, of, of gourd of some kind, they hollow it out, uh, and they will tie it to a stake with a chain and they'll put a little hole in it small enough for the monkey to be able to fit their little monkey hand into it. And inside will be a little bit of rice, right? So the monkey hungry, 
puts his little or her little monkey hand inside the coconut, uh, grabs a fistful of rice, and then tries to pull it out. And because the hole is small, can't get their fist out. Now, if you were the monkey, what would you do? Let go of the rice, right? That's not what monkeys do. Monkeys hold on to the rice. And because the monkey, and there's actually, I found a video of it. It's, it's, uh, it's fascinating. The monkey does not let go of the rice. And so as a result, they've been caught. And so then they can come in and they can appropriately take care of the monkey. Um, so now uh, the author of the article suggests that oftentimes that's what happens with us with forgiveness, right? That, that we hold on to something forgive, uh, with an unforgiving spirit. Uh, and so then as a result, because we're not willing or capable of letting it go, that then the result is that we are chained to that thing. Uh, and there's a lot of wisdom, I think, in, in what the article was saying, that the reality is that, that a, un, when we are unwilling and incapable of forgiving, it does, uh, it does us great harm. I can think of people that I've known who, who, uh, who live, you know, very deeply bitter and sad lives because of, of things that were, that were wrong, that were done to them in the past, and they've not been willing or able to uh, forgive the people who uh, offended them. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, uh, the moral of the monkey story is forgive because it's good for you. And what did we say that was? That's the therapeutic definition of forgiveness. And what we said was, there's truth in that. There is truth in that. Forgiveness helps you and I. But what was the other side of it? Forgiveness from a Christian perspective isn't just about us. It's about the offender as well, right? What is Jesus? Remember we said all of these one another's flow out of love. And if they flow out of love, what does Jesus say about love? He says, love your enemies. Hard stuff. Love your enemies. And so there's something about forgiveness that is an expression of being able to love our enemies. And it is a very, very difficult, to, to, it's a very, very difficult thing uh, to be able to do. And so in effect, what forgiveness, when we begin to understand who Jesus is and what he has done for us, it's Jesus, right? The, the moral is not just let go of the rice. The message is Jesus has come in and he has opened your hand. He has removed the offense. He has freed you from it. He opens your hand so that you can be set free. So how do we do that? Ashley Hales is a friend of ours, of of mine and Kate's, and she wrote a book called Finding Holy in the Suburbs. Uh, And she wrote this about forgiveness. She said, we must learn to be forgiveness people. If repentance is learning how to walk in the reality of seeing ourselves rightly, uh, created and good, besieged by sin, yet redeemed in Christ. And let me, let me just add parenthetically for the purpose of my, uh, for the purpose of the sermon, forgiven. Then forgiving others happens when we put this right seeing into action, right? What, what I think Ashley is saying is that when you see yourself as forgiven, then we have the capacity of doing the very difficult work of forgiving others. And it's difficult work. I'm not, please don't hear me say, oh, this is a cinch. This is not a cinch. Especially when the sins committed against you are really, really bad. 
So how do we begin to flesh this out? Like, what does this actually begin to practically look like for us? Um, I had the privilege of attending a seminar years ago in, in Grand Rapids, where for a week, uh, pastors and philosophers and scholars all got together and we just talked forgiveness the entire time. Um, and so I'm, I'm giving you a distillation of that, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, first, uh, an integral part of forgiveness is that we have to remember the humanity of the offender. Uh, understand from the Christian perspective, like that, that is basically this understanding that they are, if they're a Christian, they're in process like me, right? They are being redeemed just as I am being redeemed. Uh, and so, and if they're not a Christian, then it's, we're talking about a completely different world and life view. Uh, And so we begin by recognizing that they, like us, are people who experience the reality of sin in very real ways. That does not excuse the sin, right? You could hear that and say, oh, so they get off, right? That's 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 the suspicious view of forgiveness coming in. Oh, you're saying they get off? No, we're not saying they get off. But we begin by recognizing that we are broken, they are broken. There's this common bond of sin that affects us all. Then we name the wrong. This is part of the process uh, that Desmond Tutu worked out where they said like, no, evil is evil and it has to be named. Maybe it begins by naming it to yourself and saying like, that person sinned against me. Not brushing it off and saying, oh, they didn't mean it. Oh, that's okay. Oftentimes, the process of forgiveness has to begin when we simply acknowledge, I have been sinned against. Maybe, uh, if you've done that step, maybe the next step is to, to name it to the Lord. Right? To go to the Lord and say, this was sin done against me and I'm grieved. My heart is broken. I don't know what to do with this. And then, in, in many instances, though not in all, uh, it might mean going to the offender. And saying to the offender, you've sinned against me. This is what you've done. And why do we do that, right? Because that's part of the process by which we love our enemy. That's part of the process by which we love one another. Because if I sin against you, and you come to me and say, Omar, you sinned against me in this and such and such and such a way, I all of a sudden have now got the opportunity to repent of that. I all of a sudden have the opportunity to see my sin in a new light and be able to ask for your forgiveness and turn to the Lord and seek his forgiveness as well. But this does not mean, right? So so obviously this means that we don't tolerate the wrong. It doesn't mean that we, we gloss over the wrongs that have been committed. We name them. We don't pretend as if nothing has happened. Now, I understand in certain instances, that's not good counsel. All right. And, and so recognize that if you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that, then, then seek the counsel of godly people, godly, uh, maybe even godly trained people in, uh, in order to like, what is the right way to pursue this process? Um, because this is not every scenario can be played out in this particular way of going to the person. Um, then there has to be a decision. Um, I heard somebody say this in a sermon recently. Oftentimes forgiveness is, is granted before it is felt. 
there comes a moment by which we have to say, I'm not going to hold this sin against you anymore. In the same way that I have been forgiven. This is the key thing, right? We can't lose sight of who we are because if we lose sight of who we are, this is just a bunch of burdensome commands. But if we hold on to who we are, then we are reminded, I have already had this experience for myself. And so therefore I'm able to go to the other person. Uh, I'm, I'm able to extend forgiveness, whether or not I actually say that to the person in my own heart, I can say, I'm going to forgive. I'm not going to hold this sin against you. Now, now, depending on the offense, that might not mean reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They are not the same thing. Uh, And so again, wisdom is needed there in order to be able to know how to do that. It does not mean, forgiveness does not mean that we give up all rights for justice. If, If crimes have been committed, crimes need to be handled by the civil authority. That's the way things go. We never say, right? If someone has sinned against you, uh, abused you in some way, like police, that's what we do. And then we go and pray to the Lord and say, Lord, because we make that decision, but let's be honest, that decision's hard. We can't will that decision into existence. We can't just be like, oh, I'm going to forget, right? There's a process by which we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need to forgive. I don't want to forgive. Um, I want that person to get, you know, what's coming to them. And so we go to the Lord and ask the Lord to begin to work that process out in our own lives and to the degree that we're capable and able to begin to actually pray for our enemies, right? To pray for, and I'm using that word enemy simply in the sense of that they're the offender, right? To pray for the person who offended against you. This is very difficult. And this is not possible apart from this cosmic thing that happens to us through faith in Jesus Christ. That, that if, we, if you walk out of here and you're like, okay, I've been given you know, four easy steps to forgive people and, and you are not united to Christ, that will be a burdensome, crushing thing. But because of what Christ has done for you, you have the ability to do things that are very, very hard. Now, here's the reality that, again, I'm very aware of the fact when I'm preaching on forgiveness, I think this is the second or third time I've preached on forgiveness since I've been here. I'm very aware of the fact that when I preach on this particular topic, that, that some of you are, understandably, you've got certain scenarios in your mind that you're thinking about. Uh, and so please hear me when I say that, that if something that I've said this morning does not resonate, you're like, oh, but you don't know. You're right, I don't know. I don't, I don't know everything. Um, And so what I would strongly encourage you, whether it's me or maybe you're part of a Bible study or you're part of some other group, what I would strongly encourage you and pray for you is that you would seek the wisdom of people that you are in community with. What did we say last week? We are to what? Come on, bear one another's burdens. You know, they'd say, you know, and you're saying like, oh, people are not going to remember the sermon you preached last week. That's true. Um, we are called to bear one another's burdens. And that's a, that's a really tangible way that that happens. All right, wrapping up. Uh, forgive. That sounds so trite, doesn't it? Oh, forgive. Except for the fact 
that Christ has forgiven you. And because of this cosmic change that has happened in your life, you have the power of God, the power of God's spirit, resurrection power, life over death power, working inside your soul. And so as a result, you are able to forgive. Not in a way that says, oh, well, that's okay. And not account for justice. Not in a simplistic way that says, well, it's good for me. No, in a way that actually allows us to robustly say God cares for justice. And God cares for me, but he also cares for the one who offended me. That's how big his love is. He can actually care for both of us. And so we forgive. All right, let's pray. Father, um, you forgive. You've forgiven us. Jesus, you forgive. You've forgiven us. Spirit, you forgive. You have forgiven us. Thank you that because of the, um, thank you that because of the gospel that our lives have had this uh, amazing transformative thing happen to them. Our identity has fundamentally been changed. And so help us, Lord, as we, uh, as we transition now to having communion together, uh, that this union that we have with each other uh, would be expressed in the meal that we're about to eat. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.